Now you can follow along with me in your Bibles or you can follow along in the screen up here. Uh, And we're going to look at verses 11 through 17. So Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Now, just a little bit of background. Um, up here we have a map of the area, and this is ancient northern Palestine in the first century. So we see that the story takes place in this little town called Nain. And Nain is about 25 miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee. So this area um, of, of ancient Palestine was a beautiful area. Right below we see the Valley of Jezreel. We know that when we read the stories in the Old Testament, the Valley of Jezreel was known as a beautiful, pleasant place. As a matter of fact, today, the Valley of Jezreel is known as the breadbasket of Israel. So uh, now we have this little, little town where uh, uh, Jesus uh, headed to. The journey of, of Jesus with this great crowd that the story talks about began in Capernaum. And so they, they traveled um, about 25 miles or so to get to the town of Nain. Now, when the journey started in Capernaum, the crowd with Jesus was probably kind of small, not real big. But the word for great crowd means that it, eventually it grew to 1,000 or 2,000 people. I mean, can you imagine how exciting it would be to journey with Jesus through the countryside and walk with him for a day or so? And not only just being in the crowd, but what if you were up front with Jesus and his disciples walking with this crowd, moving toward the city? How exciting would that be? Well, as the, town, as the crowd approached the town, they came face to face with this funeral procession going on in the city of Nain. And so, now, think back with me for a minute. For a Jewish mother, the greatest thing that could ever happen to her was to give birth to a son. So therefore, the greatest sorrow was to lose that son. And not only did this mother lose the son, we also find out from the story that she was a widow. So she didn't have a husband. So here she was facing a life of poverty. And now we also know that back then it was kind of typical for the neighbors in this town. And and in Nain, you know, it was a town of maybe three or four or five hundred people. But it was kind of typical for her neighbors to look at her. This was part of the culture to look at her and say, hey, what sin did you commit that all this happened to you? You know, so here she is, a, a, a widow who lost her son, who has no husband facing a life of poverty, and on top of that, facing a life of perhaps ridicule and and mockery and shame, and she has to live in this city and deal with all that. Well, you know, so Jewish uh, funerals take place around 6 p.m. in the the evening. So picture this. Imagine in that day, earlier in that day, the mother probably kind of had her son laid out in in the floor of her home, and 
she had some helpers with her and she laid out on the floor and, and she was probably grooming his hair and preparing him. She probably got the best clothes that she could find to put on him. And so as the helpers were there with her in her home and her son's laying on the floor before her, they kind of lifted him up and next to them was a, a large wicker basket, an open wicker basket. And they placed the son into this wicker basket and they folded his hands across his body and prepared him for the funeral procession. And then they laid a cloth to cover him. And so by this time at her door, some people had begun to gather and who were going to lead this procession. And they, they, uh, they said, it's time to go. And so they kind of came in and they picked up the, the son that had died and began to walk outside and head out east toward the city gate to walk out into the countryside. Now, this was such a serious, significant loss for this woman. Probably most of the people in this town of three or four or five hundred people were probably gathered in this funeral procession. So here they are gathered and they're kind of getting together and they're starting to, to, to move out toward the, to the gate, toward the east, toward the, to the graveside, out in the countryside. And if you think about it, also too, tradition tells us that in a typical Jewish funeral, the women would lead the procession. They would be up front. And then in the rear of the procession, you had uh, paid mourners and flute players. And these paid mourners were chanting over and over and over, weep with them, all you who are bitter at heart, over and over and over. This was a big scene. And so as the crowd begins to, to move together toward the, to the east of the town, out to the graveside, all of a sudden, outside of the city gate, the funeral crowd, the procession of maybe a few hundred people, they meet the crowd with Jesus of about 1,000 or 2,000 people. I mean, just picture this. You got all these people, all this commotion going on. So as the two crowds met together, what's the very first thing that Jesus does? Right up here in verse 13. It says, and when the Lord saw her. Now picture this. These two groups colliding outside the, the town gate, coming together, maybe, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000 people. But in the midst of all this commotion, Jesus didn't see the crowd, the, the crowd first. He didn't even see the dead son first. He saw the woman first. He peered through the thousands of people and looked right at this woman. It says the Lord saw her. He saw the woman who was, who was going through incredible pain and turmoil. His eyes were fixed intently on her. Now, I want you to go back for a minute. Imagine this. You're there in the story. Put yourself back in time and get into this story. Maybe you're in that crowd with Jesus. Like I was saying earlier, maybe not only in the crowd, but you're up front with Jesus and the disciples. And here you are walking through the countryside. And maybe you come up, come up the, on top of this hill and you look below and you see this city at this small town of Nain. And then you see this funeral procession of people heading outside the gate. And then you begin to move closer. And you're, there you are. Maybe you're right next to Jesus. Picture yourself there. Can you imagine? What would Jesus have looked like? What would his face have looked like as you looked at him? Probably the face of Jesus was soft and tender, concerned, attentive to this woman. Maybe you were even in conversation with Jesus, talking about spiritual things with him and asking him questions. 
Hey, Jesus, I really want to know how many angels can fit on a pinhead or whatever it is. Whatever questions you might have had, you may have been asking Jesus these questions. But suddenly, Jesus stops in mid-sentence. He becomes quiet as he continues to walk toward this woman. He becomes fixed on this woman. His eyes are on her. He sees a woman who is half dead. Now, in ancient Judaism, this concept of half dead was 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 an actual state that somebody lived between life and death. It was a state of great mourning and emotional pain. It was a state where these people were known as being half dead. This is what Jesus was looking at with his mother. Now imagine that you're there and you're next to Jesus and you look up at him. Maybe you could see his eyes starting to moisten. Tears began to maybe even build up in his eyes and maybe they began to flow down his cheek. As you were with Jesus and this crowd of a couple thousand people beginning to move closer and closer to this funeral procession. Jesus experiences and even enters into the pain of this Jewish mother and widow. And he says this in verse 13. He says this. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Literally, his heart went out to her. He moved into her world. He put himself in her place. He began to experience what life would be like through her perspective. It was a life of sorrow and pain and loneliness. And now she probably even had a sense of dread as she began to try to figure out, how am I going to make it through life without my husband and now without my son? Well, so as the crowd began to approach the funeral and got closer and closer to the crowd with Jesus. And here, you know, a couple thousand people. What probably happened was the crowd with Jesus, picture of a thousand, two thousand people, probably split in two. And the funeral procession probably went right in between them. And what did Jesus do next? What's the next thing that he did? Right up here. He stopped the funeral procession Now picture that. You're there. You're in the crowd. You're seeing this. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you think the disciples were thinking? Oh, no, what's he doing? They didn't get it, probably. But anyway, he walked up. He stopped the procession. He walks over to the woman, and he says to her in verse 13, Do not weep. In other words, hey, it'll be okay. Don't cry. Don't worry. And the next thing that Jesus does is an act of pure, raw power for good. Look at verse 14. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Notice the last thing that Jesus does in verse 15. You know, think about it. This is an incredible miracle. I mean, Jesus could have had all kinds of publicity. He could have had a huge press conference. Look what I did. He could have been on Fox News, right? You know? He could have had movie rights and a movie. But that's not what Jesus did at all. His concern was for the woman. He didn't get distracted by his own miracle. Even though he did this amazing display of power, He wasn't thinking of himself and how he could benefit. 
He was thinking of the woman. He gave the son back to his mother. He probably, he went over to the son and, and, he, and, he, and he said, arise. And he took the son into his arms. And then he took the, walked over to the mother and gave the son to his mother. That's Jesus' heart. He's concerned about this woman that was going through this pain about losing her son and, now, and, and, and without a husband. Now think about it. Jesus displays both power and tenderness, right? Now, a lot of people that are very powerful and strong often lack tenderness, don't they? And then people that are tender oftentimes lack strength. But Jesus demonstrates both of these here. Well, what did the crowd think about all of this? Well, in verse 16, fear seized them all. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Now, if you're in the crowd, you would be pretty excited too, probably, right? But these guys were overly excited. And I kind of thought, why is that? Well, not only because of the miracle, but I think something else has happened. Remember, the prophet Malachi, between the the end of the the time of Malachi, the uh, the prophet Malachi's writing in the book of Malachi, All the way up to the beginning of the events in Matthew, you had 400 years. And during those 400 years between the Old and the New Testament, you didn't have any record, any prophetic record. You had no word of God. It was known as the 400 years of silence. Because God hadn't spoken during that time. And no prophet was doing any writing. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. And these Jews knew that. They knew what was happening. They were extremely excited. Doesn't it make more sense of the excitement that they had? Because the people felt an incredible inner peace. They were no longer alone. They no longer felt isolated because God was giving them everlasting, amazing hope. Wow, what a story, right? Well, that's the story of compassion for you today. And it is an incredible story, isn't it? But there's a question for us, and that is simply this. So what does this mean to us today? That's a great story, Dan, and I've heard it before, but but what does it really mean to us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Great question. Number one, it means this. Remember who Jesus is. Would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1? Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we're going to look at who Jesus really is. Now, for a lot of us, this is a reminder, but it's good to be reminded, isn't it? There's always something new and fresh that the Holy Spirit can show us as we go back through the Bible and read it over and over again, right? Well, in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, Jump down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Well, the word became flesh and the word came into flesh is really what it means. So if you think about it, John tells us, first of all, that the word is Jesus. And then we find out here that Jesus is God. So John tells us that God came down to earth to live in a human body as Jesus. So Jesus was fully God and fully human. That's part of the Trinity. 
And here he was living with people of his day, going about healing and doing miracles and seeing what he did here with this widow here in the story in Luke chapter 7. But this is the God who created this widow, who knew her pain, her fears, her suffering, to the point where he was personally moved with compassion to do something really good for her. This is what, who Jesus was then, back then, but this is who Jesus is today. The same Jesus in this story over 2,000 years ago is right here this morning, entering into our world. Well, number two, I think the thing that God wants us to get out of this story is simply this. See Jesus' pattern of compassion. It starts with something called looking. Verse 13, Jesus saw her. Now, this idea of looking and this pattern of compassion that Jesus is showing us here, it means simply this. It's an intense focusing on someone and what they're going through in their lives so that they know that they really matter to us. Have you ever been with somebody and you're meeting with them and you have, you're something on your heart that you really got to share? It could be a friend or a coworker or somebody, whatever, and you, and you, and you get in this conversation with them and you're pouring out your heart. You know, and you're going through all the stuff that's been building up. And you really need somebody to listen to you. And what are they doing? Oh, yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, hey, I, man, I appreciate that. And they're looking over your shoulder, not looking at you. How does that make you feel? Are they looking at you? No, they're not. They're not really caring. See, the looking that I'm talking about is intently focused. Wow, Dan, I, you know what? I, I, I can't identify with you what you're going through, but I, I hear you and I'm here for you. And what can I do for you? Looking at me, my, you, know, the, 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 you can sense that somebody really cares when somebody is genuinely looking. Well, the next step in this pattern of compassion is feeling. The Bible says in verse 13 that Jesus had compassion on her. Compassion is simply this. It's a deep stirring in my heart that causes me to do something good for someone. It's both of those together. And so what was the good that Jesus did? Well, that's the helping part. Looking, feeling, Helping. See, Jesus, what did he do? He raised the son and brought the son back to the mother. Compassion needs to have both of those ingredients. The highest form of love is compassion. And Jesus, just, just like this woman in this story, think about us this morning. Jesus is literally moving into our world to help us with whatever we're going through. The same Jesus was here in this story is here this morning. Well, you see this pattern of compassion in a lot of other passages in the Bible. I want to do just maybe one. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9, please. Matthew chapter 9. And you could have kind of fun going through the Gospels. You'll pick out this pattern all over the place. Looking, feeling, helping. It's the pattern of compassion that Jesus showed toward people. In Matthew chapter 9, and uh, just a little bit of in verse 34 and 35 and following, just a little bit of context... Here Jesus is in the area of Galilee. He's going about, it says, in all the towns and areas and healing and preaching the gospel. And so we get a picture here in, in, uh, beginning in, in verse 35. It says here, he went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel. Now look at verse 36. Here, here's, the, here's the pattern. When he saw the crowds, the looking, <clears throat> he had compassion on them. The feeling. And then what did he do for them? He healed them. The helping. Looking, feeling, helping. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan. If you were to look at the story in Luke chapter 10, 
you would see that the Good Samaritan came across this guy that was half dead on the road. And in verse 33 in Luke 10, it says, the Good Samaritan saw this man that was half dead, and he, what, had compassion on him. And then what did he do? Did he leave him there? No, he cared for him, looking, feeling, helping. I love this last one to share with you in Luke chapter 7, later on in the passage. Remember Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus and others to a dinner at his house? And, uh, and, and Simon, you know, he's sort of a proud guy, right? You know, and, and he's going to, you know, kind of thinking of himself. And he, this is really about Simon, you know, this dinner, not about anybody else, right? And so, uh, so Jesus goes in and Simon doesn't really even, even care for Jesus in the way he's supposed to as a host, right? But not only that, this prostitute shows up at his house. Whoa, what's she doing here? And so the prostitute comes in and, and, and she's so moved by her sin and and she you know, shows a sense of repentance by worshiping Jesus. Remember that? Pouring the oil on his feet and, and wiping it with her hair. And, and then, so what's Simon doing this whole time? The Pharisee, he's probably back in the corner. What is this woman doing? Well, look, in Luke chapter 7, look at verse 44. It says right here, Then turning toward the woman, he, Jesus, said to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? Wow. Of course, he casually saw her, but was he really looking at her is what Jesus is saying. No. No. So this pattern of compassion, I could go on, but, there's, but you can have fun looking at the Gospels. Look for, look for this pattern, looking, feeling, and helping. Well, this story about the widow is really for you and me this morning, isn't it? Because Jesus knows us intimately. He knows our struggles. He knows our worries. He knows our deep longings. He knows all that we're going through. Jesus sees us. He feels for us. And he wants to help us with whatever whatever we're going through, whatever we're dealing with. Are you dealing with any disappointments this morning? Maybe for you guys that are teenagers, what about school? How's school going? My wife's a teacher at a private school in in Potomac, Maryland. And I know she comes home with lots of stories about the the teenagers and the kids there, but I know you guys are probably going through a lot of stuff, but do you understand, you guys that are teens, that Jesus sees you this morning? He's looking at you. He feels for you. And he wants to help you with whatever it is. But maybe you're here and you're, you're going through a problem at work or maybe a financial problem or whatever it is. See, here's the thing. Jesus enters into our world. He feels what you feel. And more importantly, He has the transforming power to help you rise above your circumstances and experience the joy and inner peace and everlasting love and hope that you're intended to have. This same Jesus who was here looking at this woman 2,000 years ago is right here looking at you. He sees us. He feels for us. He wants to help us. Well, the last point here, number three, I think as a result of this story, God is saying to you and me today, that for us, in order for us to fully love others, we need to do all three of these things together. Looking, feeling, and helping, right? Now think about it. What if I go up to somebody, maybe a homeless guy on the street. I work in Washington, D.C., and I take the metro every day, and there's lots of homeless people. I think the pandemic has caused a real major problem in D.C. If any, anybody, anybody work in D.C.? Uh, it's really changed down there. <laughs> Um, my building has 20 people and there's, you know, it can hold 400, so it's almost like a ghost town. But, but it seems like there's lots of, a lot more homeless and people struggling. 
And so as we, as we see a homeless person and, and, I, and I look at them and I feel for them, but I say, okay, have a good day, see you later. Am I really showing compassion? No. My love is, is incomplete. I've looked, I've felt, but I don't want to do anything. No, I don't want to take care of this situation. That's not genuine love. Or what about this? What if I look at that homeless person and, and, and oh, I'm sorry, what if, I, what if I go and help that homeless person, excuse me, what if I help them and take them to get food and everything, but I really don't look at them, I really don't feel for them? What does my love feel like toward them? Cold and harsh. You see, you need all three, the looking, the feeling, and the helping if you're really going to have genuine love for someone. Is there someone in your life that you need to show more compassion to? Think about your everyday circle at work, co-workers, neighbors, maybe a spouse, maybe a child. You guys, maybe your classmates. Is there somebody that you need to be more compassionate to? Is there somebody this morning that Jesus is moving in your heart and say, boy, I, I really need to deal with this situation? Once you truly understand the compassion that Jesus has for you, let it work deep in your heart. I know it will begin to help you love others the way God intended. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know, Dan, I don't even know. You're talking about this story in the Bible and all this stuff. I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Dan, I really haven't begun in taking that step of trusting Jesus Christ alone to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe that's you this morning. If it is, I'd love to talk with you. A little bit later, we're going to have an invitational song. And I'd be down front with Jeff, and we'd love to talk with you, pray with you, and help you know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. John 3.16 is the promise for you if, you if you're kind of seeking this morning. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Wow. There's that pattern of compassion, even in John 3.16, right? Seeing Jesus for who he really is and then realizing how Jesus sees us I think will give us incredible encouragement and, and strengthen our faith and give us that hope that we're looking for. So just as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, you and I can also say this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, I only pray this morning that, that uh, you've, been, you've encouraged and strengthened the faith of those here. And also, God, I personally pray for anybody here that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, that they wouldn't leave this place until they settle that issue. So God, we just uh, continue on with a, a time of, of reflection right now. I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to work in our hearts and lives. Thank you, Father, for just being a God who loves us so compassionately, who sees us, who feels for us, and a God who helps us just like the widow over 2,000 years ago in this story. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.